Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, solar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. It is on. Here's Ron. Yay, plus people. Wow. Thank you, thank you. They are alive. They are. Okay, they're anxious, anxious folks. to hear our guests, and they're probably drinking and, and anxious to talk mm-hmm. to our guests and all sorts of stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Virtual good. Thank you, plus <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, here we are. It's uh, March uh, 18th, 2021, and 7-something uh, p.m., Eastern time or uh, six five four four p.m. West Coast time, Pacific time. Are they Pacific time out That's there? That's it. Yeah, they're Pacific. Pacific. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Pacific daylight time. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <clears throat> I guess yeah. I was mixed up. Um, yeah, I know you do. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you heard every time. <laughs> <laughs> a couple I, times. A I dropped the standard thing. I just put Eastern now on the time time uh, thing. <laughs> Drop the Children daylight or standard, it. just Eastern, <laughs> Eastern time. Whatever it is. And, and the blank. People better know. <laughs> yep. Welcome to the show. And we have yeah. uh, we have a guest waiting, and uh, Ron is with us uh, this week. We were off uh, last week, I believe. Um, yes, we were. As I remember yeah. it, and uh, yeah, and uh, for good reason. But uh, we are back, and uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, we've got uh, an interesting guest, Anthony. And I'm not going to I'm not going to destroy his last name. I'll let him tell us what it is. Zhang, I think it is. But he's the CEO of Vinovest, and he's got Vinovest. Yeah, I guess it is Vinovest. We I have talked to you about investing in wine. I've told you in past episodes about investing in wine a little bit. And I just, I hit upon it and I said the thing and, you know, if you've got some money and it's a good thing to do it. Well, I'll tell you what, Anthony's going to tell us all about it tonight because he's the CEO of uh, Vinovest, which is a wine investment platform. So without further ado, we will. Hello, Anthony. Welcome to All About Wine. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Going great. Yeah, yeah, you are actually on now. Um, you were in in the green room, we call it. You were just sitting there listening to us, but <laughs> couldn't comment. So now you're on. Uh, so uh, I, I've been looking at uh, Vino Vest, uh, Vino Vest uh, for the last you know couple of weeks. I became uh, a recipient of your emails and stuff. I've been looking at that. Interesting, interesting stuff. And I've talked about 
wine investments to my listeners over the years. I've mentioned it here and there and, you know, different things about it and all that. But you, being the expert, I am going to just let you ramble and tell us all about it and tell us what it involves and tell us everything about investing in fine wine. So it's yours. Awesome. Well, yeah, well, um, I'll I'll promise to ramble if you promise to cut me off if it gets boring. No, I don't think it will. I'm, I'm looking forward to what you have to say. Awesome. So, um, yeah, I think maybe I could just start with giving everybody a little bit of context. So, um, one of the co-founders and CEO of a company called VinoVest, and their goal is to make wine investing accessible, fun, and easy. And I really came into this, I want to say four or five years ago. Um, I just sold my first business. It was a technology company in the food delivery space, and um, I was looking to just invest my money somewhere out of the stock market. And um, I came across this article talking about wine investing and how the returns of investing in wine had outpaced the returns of investing in the S&P 500. And that immediately caught my attention because, number one, I had no idea how high-performing wine was. And number two, I you know, had always been interested in wine, and it seemed like a really good way for me to just dive in and become more and more knowledgeable and also if I could make money doing it, it seemed like a no-brainer. Um, when, I, when I dove into the space, I realized that, you know, as someone who had no connections in the wine industry and who wasn't super wealthy, it really wasn't possible for me to invest in wine. Um, you know, just even having the connections to get some of these high-end wines, from knowing how to properly store your wine to even affording, you know, proper wine storage with insurance. All of this was really out of my reach, and I realized that you pretty much had to be very, very wealthy to start off with to even start investing in wine, and that just didn't really sit right with me, you know, just something as, I think, um, you know, high growth as investing in wine, why did it have to be only available to very few people who already had a lot of wealth? I wanted to create a better solution for myself and for potentially other people like me who maybe always wanted to invest in wine but never knew how or where to start, or people who, um, you know, maybe didn't even know you could invest in wine or that was even a thing you could do. I really wanted to just lower the barriers to entry so more people could get involved, and that's really what VinoVest seems to do. And you are located in where? You. Right now, where are you? I am sitting in... Newport Beach, California, so Orange County, and uh, we have a team of 15 people right now um, at our company, and we're all around the United States. So the pandemic oh, has wow. definitely helped us uh, helped us become fully remote. Yeah, wow. Okay. Uh, so Lorenzo Lampetti, he's one of your reps, I take it? Yes. Okay, yeah, because he's the one that sends me the emails all the time about it when I, <coughs> excuse me. Um, well, I'm going to uh, frequently ask questions. I'm going to actually ask you these questions. Uh, what's the average return on wine? If, if, you know, you said it's outperforming the S&P, but uh, Dow Jones and all those, uh, you're saying investing in wine is a better return? Uh by by what? What are we do, talking here? 
Yeah, so if you look at the returns of like the S&P over the past two decades and you look at the returns of um, the LiveX 100, which is kind of the equivalent of the S&P 500 of the wine world over the past two decades, um, LiveX has provided 11.6% returns. S&P has been around 9%. Wow. Yeah, and so it's a full percentage point. And it's a lot safer too, I would imagine. Yeah, I think so yeah. because you know the stock market is volatile. It's been a lot more volatile these past few years. And with wine, there's only a few factors that can influence the prices, right? Um, you know, you need to make sure this wine is aging correctly and properly in the right storage. That I think is the main thing to really limit your downside. But other than that. It's just really simple supply and demand, right? There's less and less of, say, a you know vintage 2010 Chateau Lafitte uh, as as time goes on and as it gets closer to its ideal drinking window, and it just becomes more desirable and more expensive. So if I were to <clears throat> excuse me, if I were to invest, excuse me, if I were to invest in wine, you would actually take care of it for me until the time I wanted it. Absolutely. So we would take care of, A, which wines you're picking, B, storing it, and C, insuring it. And we'd also give you recommendations on also when the best time to sell it would be. So really just an all-done-for-you solution. You really don't need to be an expert in investing or, or wine in general. Oh, so it's just a matter of, you know, a turnkey operation on your part. Just everything is taken care of. And I use... I give you my money and say in five years I want to get 11% return, and it's pretty much there then, what you're saying. Yeah, we want to make it very accessible. So, you know, you don't need to have a wine cellar at home. You don't need to do a ton of research. You just need to know um, how much you want to invest, how long you want to hold that investment for, and then we will do the rest for you. Wow, okay. And then uh, – as far as storage goes, what uh, type of facilities? I mean, I know how critical it is. Uh, what do you all do? And, and, I mean, say I get myself a couple cases of French Bordeaux, uh, Lafitte you just mentioned. Uh, where is that stored? Does the winery keep it for me, or do you grab it and put it somewhere, or what happens? Yeah, that's a great question. So we work with the wineries to essentially store it as close to where it was produced as possible. So. Uh, obviously, a lot of the great wines are coming out of France. We have facilities in Bordeaux, actually. So um, since we're um, keeping it for you, you really don't need to have it next to you, right? It actually probably is better to have it out of sight and out of mind and in a place that um, is uh, is out of temptation as well, right? So uh, we really keep the wine in, in kind of these hot spots where most of the wine is produced. Um, it's temperature-controlled underground for the most part, um, away from sunlight, away from vibration, um, you know, constant humidity. And I think the most important part is it's also insured because even if you have all those components for perfect wine storage, um, it's very hard to get home insurance on a wine cellar. I'm not sure if you've tried doing that before, but it's very expensive. I've done it. Yes, it is very expensive. Yes. Yeah. And since we have it in a professional third-party facility, we're able to get a really robust insurance policy to really protect it against anything. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, especially because you're treating it as investment, right? You want that protection and peace of mind, especially if you're not seeing it. Mm-hmm. Now, what if 
something happens. You say VaynerVest is a rather young company. What happens if, uh, for some reason, you all have a falling out with each other and dissolve the company? What happens to my wine? So the good thing is you always own the wine, and the mm-hmm. wine is stored in a third-party facility. So say if VaynerVest were to just disappear tomorrow, um, we were to just disband as a company, you could actually continue that same storage relationship with the third-party facility, and you would still have your wine. Oh, okay. Very good. Uh, the uh, uh, shipping costs across the ocean and all that other stuff, uh, when it comes time for me to – well, actually, well, that's a double question there because when it comes time to sell, do I physically get it or do you just – ship it directly to whomever you sell it to or do they pay for shipping or what what's procedures on that yeah so say you want to sell it um you know we actually help you find that counterparty you know if that counterparty wants to store it in the same facilities then boom it's super easy right instant uh, instant transfer wine never needs to move if say it's a you know say it's a michelin star restaurant in london right uh, that restaurant right. would pay for any sort the shipping costs um, between a facility and, you know, its ultimate destination. If you want to drink it, of course, that's something you can do as well. So you would, you'd be responsible for the shipping costs to wherever you live. I see. Now, something that just occurred to me, and I don't know why, because I've mentioned a couple times on the show, the import and taxes and fees have jumped to the roof on wine from the European Union. Would that affect the price privately if I shipped it across, or is that insulated from it in any way? So the great thing that we're doing right now is buying wine that's in bond. So what that means is that it has it's technically in a um, kind of in-transit state, so there's no taxes assessed on it. So, for example... For the past couple of years, right, uh, the tariffs have been imposed on European wines, and thankfully just last week they got removed. Um, we were pretty much impervious to all of that because all of our wine is stored within these bonded facilities and is safe from these global fluctuations of tariffs and taxes. Well, that, that's the word I was looking for, tariff. I couldn't think of it. Um, well, okay, now, the wines themselves say... I want to invest in wine. I say I hear that uh, uh, Chateau Lafitte Rothschild uh, 37 is a great investment. Can you get me some? Is that possible, or do you say, no, no, that's too expensive. We recommend this or that or this. Well, how does that work? That's a great question. So most of our clients really choose the managed account portion. So they just say um, – you know, I've, I've got 5000 bucks I'd like to invest. Uh, I trust you, and you put it into whatever you think would be best. So whether it be, you know, the 2016 or the 2015 Lafitte, that's up to us and our team to pick. Um, we also do have a plan where, say, if the, you know, if the 37 Lafitte means a lot to you for some particular reason and you really want to get that, you know, that's, of course, something that we can help you. But, you know, our goal really is to make you the best return. So we usually have our clients you know, leave it up to us on those decisions. Uh-huh. So, okay, so uh, say you pick out something for me. How long 
is the typical period that I should hold that wine to start making a decent investment. I mean, it, it, does it give me a decent return in a year, or should it be five, or what are we looking at? I would say to get a decent in, uh, return on investment, we usually recommend people take a decently long-term approach, at least five years. You know, it's like it's like real estate, right? It's something where um, as it gets older, it, it becomes more and more rare, and whether you want to hold it for five years or ten years is really up to you. We can, can find wines that fit either time period in terms of the holding uh, horizon, and that's something that we would be able to help you out with as well. Now, we've been talking about French wines, and obviously those are very, very good and a good return on investment, but what about domestic California or anything here in the States? Is there... Uh, a good return on those, or is that sort of like secondary, tertiary returns? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say in terms of investment quality wines, Europe is still king, right? Like you, you look at Bordeaux, Burgundy, Champagne, Rhone, right? It's mostly in France, some parts of Italy as well. Um, there are still quite a few investment-worthy wines in in the Napa Valley. Of course, there's your Screaming Eagle, Harlan, uh, Colgan. Uh, Opus One, Dominus, you know, there's quite a few of these, you know, cult wineries that have been producing pretty incredible wines for the past few decades that all have a track record of appreciating a value. Mm-hmm. So if we're saying, okay, my portfolio, I want some California wines, and you can do that for us too. If Yeah, absolutely. If, if there's a decent price on them and all that. Uh, the, so actually, we own the wines ourselves. This, the wines are ours to do with as we want. You're just basically taking care of them for us. Exactly. So wines are yours, is yours to drink or to invest. Our job is to keep them safe for you, keep them insured, and also give you the liquidity when you need to be able to sell it. Because you know, the moment you, you know, the moment somebody puts wine into their home cellar, it's kind of like. Uh, you know, taking a car off the lot, right? The resale value immediately plummets because they have no idea how you're storing it. But uh-huh. with Unibus, they know that we're storing it professionally the entire time. So we're able to really preserve a lot of that value, especially if you want the option to be able to sell in the future. Oh, so so basically what we're doing is, you know, getting a better return by having Unibus take care of it for us because, it well, I, yeah. I've always told people. I said, yeah, when you get a wine, knowing the history of the wine is very important to understanding the quality. And Vinoves, oh yeah, gives you a direct history. It seems for that period of time, so you can always count on it being of highest quality. Yeah, absolutely right. Because if you know it's come directly from the chateau or from the winery and it's only been in one storage facility its whole life before selling it, of course it's worth a lot more than a bottle where, you know, maybe it's been transported, been in different people's houses and who knows how it's been stored, right? So it's really that uh, that provenance is extremely important. Even something being shipped across the ocean into a liquor store and you buy it and trying to store it and invest it yourself, you're losing some potential return because of the fact that you don't have the history documented properly. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. That that does make a big difference on that. Now, if someone wants to invest, how much money 
minimum. Say, you know, I I want to invest. I just got my COVID check. Is that enough to start an investment? It is. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, so you, with as little as $1,000, you can actually start investing in wine through VinoVest. Wow. And so what would be the procedures? We just contact VinoVest and say, I've got $1,000. I want to invest in some wine, and you all just take care of it from there and send me a little letter saying you're now a proud owner of of wine. Is that how it works? <laughs> yeah, really as easy as that, right? You just decide how much you want to invest. Um, you go through a website, sign up, make an account, and we can handle everything from there. And uh, the cool thing is, you know, we really give you um, – a really easy to use online dashboard as well where you can track the price of your wine, you can kind of look at it kind of like a, a virtual online seller. Oh, so you know what your wine's doing and everything else. Everything's short of taking a picture of the bottle so we can look at it and caress it with our eyes, huh? That... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, let's see, uh, I had couple other questions here and let me look and see actually I'm looking at some and I well, you've covered a lot of these let me see. Oh, oh yeah here's a good good thing a, a regulatory audit process I know wines are are taxed I had a winery in every month I had to pay taxes on what was brought out from the non-taxed room and stuff like that what about that? Are 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 these taxed periodically, or are they uh, tax free until they're sold? Or how does the tax work on this? Yeah. So in the United States, um, wine is considered a collectible, so um, it is tax free until it is sold, and then um, on the gains you'd have to pay collectible capital gains tax, which also varies based on your own income levels, but in some other countries, like in the UK and France, um, Singapore, Hong Kong, and a few others, wine investing in wine is actually a capital gains-free place. So it's uh, yeah, there are certain tax benefits depending on where in the world you are. Oh, so if you did have a wine that was stored in your Stilton Bordeaux, and you sold it directly out of there, then you could avoid taxes completely. Uh, I think that's true. So I would definitely, wow. you know, consult your tax advisor on on these things. But um, that's definitely something that um, is is beneficial. Yeah, well, it sounds like it. I mean, it's, it's some of these countries do have their, you know, non-tax rule on collectibles, and that would be a good way to get around it. Because I know wine can be taxed at an outrageous rate in certain country, uh, certain states, and. Mm-hmm. On something like that, I mean, it's, it, it could eat up your profits very quickly if you're not careful. Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, okay, and let's see, I had, bear with me, because I want people to be completely informed, because, hey, maybe they will pick up their COVID check and give you a call. Uh, okay, now, say... No, here's here's a question that's on your your Q and A list here. What's the difference of buying a wine through 
retail or through the winery or something as opposed to buying it through you guys? So I think the first thing is that it's very tough to get wine at the same prices that we're able to get it at if you're just a normal consumer, right? You're probably usually uh-huh. getting it retail or at auction, and there's a lot of other people that have probably taken their cut or their, you know, their 5%, 10% before we got here. Um, and we're able to really get direct to the source. We're buying in a lot larger quantities, and we have better relationships. So a lot of times we're getting it at a lot better prices. Oh, okay. So you, with your bulk buying, you can able to get it at a good price, and you pass that savings on to the investors then. Exactly. Now, do you have people that know what they're doing as far as wine? I mean, I, I understand you're probably excellent at the financial end of it, but how about people who are sommeliers or something like that that work for you that say, wait a minute, that's not going to age well, this one would be better. Do you have those type of people working for you or those type of people available to you? Absolutely. So um, both on our team, we've got a combination of people with a financial background, a data science background, um, and wine background. So you know, oh. folks who are master sommeliers, um, folks who have been wine directors at three mission starred restaurants, and then also folks that are just looking at purely from the technical side, you know, looking at indicators like critic scores or satellite data or um, historical pricing that can then be able to determine if the wine is undervalued or overvalued. Oh, okay. So then everybody, you know, the people who are doing it know know that it is a good buy. It's not like you're going to send me a letter saying, okay, this is what we got for you for your COVID return check, and, you know, it should give you a return. And these are wines that will give you returns because you have done an investigation into it and found that they are worth the money. Exactly. I mean, nothing in, nothing in life is guaranteed, but we definitely do our research to make sure that we are doing right by our customers no, that's that's good to know. That's good to know that you're you got people that know what they're talking about. Do you and and this has just occurred to me here, but do you do anything besides wine? I mean, it you know, you're speaking France here. How about uh, uh, cognacs or something that is noted in there that can age and stuff? Or ports from Portugal? Do you do those also, or just wine? Yeah, so we'll we'll do ports, we'll do par- sparkling wines like champagne, um, and I think in the future we'll definitely get into these other sort of fine spirits, right? Um, you know, scotch, bourbon, Japanese whiskey, um, cognacs perhaps in the future. I think all of these have very similar properties where you know, they get better as they age, they're hard to get their hands on, and you know, people just won't stop drinking them and wanting them. So uh, we'll definitely be expanding our offerings in the future. Oh, I just I never would consider liqueurs. I, I know that port is ageable and it it really does demand some nice returns, as does champagnes and uh cognacs, but I never considered uh scotch and stuff like that to be to be investment worthy. That that's an interesting point there. If you do start getting to that stuff, could people say I want to put my money in scotch or port as opposed to wine i mean you let us uh, choose the area we want 
I think so, because I think to us, we see it as just an additional form of diversification, right? Just like your stock portfolio, you shouldn't have all the same type of stock. You know, we can help people diversify within wine, within regions, within vintages, but what about within alcohol too? So I think it's just another form of um, downside protection and diversification that people can enjoy in terms of investing outside of the stock market. Oh, very good. Now, Vinovest has been around for, like you say, what, five years, six years. There's been other investment companies that have been around for much, much longer. What set you guys apart? Why, are, why, why should I send you my COVID check as opposed to someone else? I think the main thing is we're built as a technology company. Um, we really are using data. We're using a lot of the things that we've built to make it, A, a lot more effective for people to invest, and B, a lot more accessible. I don't think you'll find another wine investment company in the world that can let you invest for as little as $1,000. And the reason why is because, you know, really we're aimed at making this accessible and easy for everybody, not just for, you know, people that are, um, you know, already at a very high level of wealth. So I think from a mission standpoint, that all differs us a lot from us between, you know, the traditional kind of companies that you may find. Yeah, and, and that's true. I mean, $1,000 to invest in wine is really, really uh, inexpensive. I, I just i have always considered whenever I talk to anybody about investing in wine, I always say be sure you have like $5,000 to set aside for a few years because that's what it's going to end up costing you. And uh, that scares people right away. But, you know, if you can get into it for as little as, as 1000 then it's – and then you can always add on to that too. I mean, you know, it's uh, – I've got this, I see it growing, and so therefore sell it now because it's growing more and invest that again. And so instead of initially having, say, six bottles, you all of a sudden can get yourself 12, and which will give you a better exactly. return. So, you know, it just it can be turned over and all that. Uh, do you, well, let's see, how to word this to get the answers, or to, to get my question out there properly. If I were to invest $1,000, do you look at diversifying that among numerous bottles or just a few or – well, I guess you've answered that question simply because it depends on what's available and what the costs are running out there right now and what is recommended by the wine experts of what would be a good investment. But do you try to – get a variety of wines for people's investment or do you stay with one type like you know you a Monton Rothschild uh, is going to age and return very good money in seven years do you fill somebody's portfolio with that or do you do half that and say half uh, uh, you know a a, uh, or any number of other wines out there. How does that work? Yeah, so I think it really depends on the price point and what you're looking for. But I think with $1,000, we'd want to be a little bit focused because I think most people, you know, are just probably using it to test it out, right, see what it's like. And um, there's also a danger of over-diversifying, right? You don't want to just put too many, you know, too many kind of different eggs out there in different baskets. But I think as you're building larger and larger positions and this becomes 
a more significant investment for you, we do want to make sure that you are diversified across different regions, you know, both well-known producers as well as up-and-coming ones and be able to give you enough variety. Mm-hmm. Now, if the uh, every year on your income tax, and I, I help AARP fill up people's income tax, Every year on income tax, if someone comes in and they say, I'm investing in wine, will that affect yearly or will that, once you sell it, since it's a capital gain then, would that be just one-time thing that you would take a hit on? Yeah, just a one-time thing on the actual mm-hmm. sale of the wine. So if you buy it this year and you don't sell until five years later, uh, five years later is when you'd have to report that. I see. Okay. Oh, all right. Very good. Now, do you? How how is this paid? Do you? uh, Can we pay in bitcoins, or does it have to be credit cards or checks, or how does it work for for the investment? Yeah, I mean, credit card, check, bank wire, ACH. Soon, Bitcoin, maybe in the future, but you know, we we accept most traditional payments. Okay. Uh, the reason I said bitcoins is because some banks are starting to accept bitcoins now. I noticed, so it's uh, yeah, they are. I think it's you know it's becoming more and more easy for people to be able to use it, and if there are enough people who want to pay with it, we want to be able to support that and make it easy for people to do so. Right. That that would be a bit of interesting thing there. Now fees. Uh, you're you guys don't do all this just out of the kindness of your heart. Uh, what is your pay structure for VinoVest? So our fee structure is aimed to be pretty simple for people to understand. It's just a recurring annual management fee ranges from 2.85% a year down to 2%, depending on how much you're investing. And that will cover pretty much everything you need on the platform, from the storage to the management to the insurance and everything else you need. Oh, Okay. And then when it is sold, there is not a, a premium charge for that. That's all included in the 2.5. Correct. Oh, okay. And then that uh, that yearly fee is that uh, spread out over months, or is that just a hit all at once? That's correct. So we make it on a monthly prorated basis. So it's really not that you're getting hit up front and you're down, you know, significantly. Uh, we want to spread it out and you know grow as grow as your portfolio grows. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's it's just a monthly feed based on what your portfolio is setting at at any given time. Then, so. yeah, exactly. Oh, all right, very good. That's uh, that makes it a lot easier too. Uh, let's see, and it, obviously, it, I, I'm reading your questions here. One of them: Can I set up a recurring deposit? I'm sure that is not a problem. Uh, be able to add more money to your portfolio to purchase more wines at any time. I, I suppose mm-hmm. that would be a pretty simple way to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And let me see. There's another area here. Shipping and tax. I think we covered this. We know where the wines are stored. Uh, yeah, this says 1099 from VinoFest to Falma with the taxes. That's when it's sold. I'm sure, then the 1099 will be sent out. Uh, yeah, that's on the sale. 
Yeah. So otherwise, it's it's nothing you have to worry about as long as you're doing that. And uh, we've talked about shipping and tariffs and all that other stuff. Um, very good on that. Mike, do you have a a question for Anthony while I look at another thing here? Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, thank you very much. I was. Uh, I'm usually taking notes during the show, and I've got quite a few already. But uh, I. So it sounds a lot like the stock market. Like you're you're kind of like the the Raymond James type of of investments. I don't know why I picked that name up, but it just came to me. Um, but so let's say that you've invested in a in a wine, and it doesn't seem like it's going to gain much value for some reason. I don't know what happens in 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 the industry that would cause that to, to suddenly, you know, not, but do you drop it? Do you, are you able to invest in another or are you really locked into what you have or what you, what you started off with? Yeah, you can, you can sell it and reinvest it if you want. You can drink it if you want. Uh, so you really have a lot of options. <clears throat> okay, great. I, I'll, yeah, I, was, I know you're, you're, you sound like you're you're really in control of of what you do with it, but uh, just concerned if you know this one looked pretty good and and it just uh, I don't know for some reason it it didn't turn out that way. I don't know why it would, but uh, you know are you are you stuck with it? And it, and it sounds like you're not, and you can uh, you can still do what you what you need to with it and invest in something else. So uh, um, yeah, that's a that's a good plan. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for answering that. Absolutely. But it seems like too that if. If it's not doing well, uh, like you were saying there, Mike, then you can still sell it, and even if you break even on your money, then the money can be turned around and invest in something that shows better profit or better movement than one that is stagnant, if you will. So uh, there's always the possibility of of turning it around and uh, not having to worry about losing money on it because well the wines that are picked out for you probably won't lose money for you I would think and especially in the fact that you know uh, VinoVest is going to get the wines at a better price because they're buying in bulk directly from the winery then that's going to give a better price which will pass on to us so this bottle that I'm going down to the local you know wine store or total wines or something buying for you know twelve hundred dollars then the same bottle the invest would probably get for me for i don't know a thousand because they're getting in bulk and getting good prices uh am i not right on that anthony you're correct since we are getting it you know oftentimes before the fee that you know, total wines will probably take before the, the fee that the importer or distributor probably took and before the, uh, you know, any sort of tariffs and anything like that. So it's, you're really getting it um, stripped of all of those kind of middleman fees, which oftentimes makes it, you know, close to like being at the ground level of what that wine actually costs and um, makes it a lot, um, lot easier to protect your downside. And then, then so if something does happen, then you are really better protected as far as your initial investment than you would be if you try to do something on your own or any other way. So, well, very good. That would that would work there. That would work well. Uh, 
any other questions, Mike? Well, uh... Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so if someone wants to invest, uh, Anthony, if someone that's listening to the program says, that sounds great. I've got this $1,400 COVID check here. The wife says, it's mine. I can do anything I want with it. I'm going to invest it in wine. And VinoVest, I just heard Anthony on All About Wine, and I want to do it. So what is the procedures? Tell me what someone should do if they want to invest. So it's super simple, and it'll take you probably less than five minutes. Go on to VinoVest.co, create an account, and you'll get put into a personalized quiz. So it'll ask you, um, like, hey, Ron, how much do you want to invest? How long do you plan on investing it for? And what's your risk appetite? Once, it, once we know those things, you just kind of link your credit card or whatever payment method, and boom, you become a wine investor. Wow, that is simple. That's all there is to it. And, and then uh, the credit card goes on fall, and that's the, the monthly fees are actually just tacked onto the credit card monthly. And your investment, you said that you we have uh, you know baby pictures and everything of the wines that we got. We can follow their growth and all exactly. that too, right? All right. Exactly. Sure. Uh, you know, we'll give you your ownership certificate. We'll tell you where it's stored. If you ever find yourself in Bordeaux and want to visit a wine storage facility, we can even arrange that or wherever wow. in the world your wine ends up being. Um, and yeah, we want it. You know, we want to make it fun, right? It's it's something where you can definitely make money doing it, but at the end of the day, it's wine. It's social. It's fun. It should be more enjoyable than stock. So we want to bring some of that into it too. Um, and by being part of VinoVest, you're also invited to a lot of cool events, right? We've got these great relationships with winemakers, sommeliers, and um, a lot of times we've got really amazing events for a community that you know really wouldn't be available otherwise. So, for example, wow. um, back back at the end of last year, um, we had a master sommelier uh, do a side-by-side tasting of two Barolos that I really loved. And we did a virtual tasting, had some wine shipped out to clients that were interested in participating. And it was a really fun time just to getting to know a lot of people from all around the country who were participating in this. Well, that sounds fantastic. That's a, another aspect of it that I never considered, but that sounds like a great idea. Uh, the... Uh, facilities. We talked about the one in uh, Bordeaux. Uh, where are the others? Uh, your storage facilities around the world, do you have a lot of them or where are they? Yeah, so we've got a few in Europe, one here in, in California. So that really covers, I think, all the major wine-growing regions, right? You've got all of France, Italy, um, Spain, and then you've got California. And then kind of that's really the the landscape of most of the investment-worthy wines in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, for some reason, just thought of Australia. There are some really nice wines, investment-worthy wines coming out of Australia. Is that a potential market there? Yeah, I mean, the you know, Penfolds, the Penfolds Grange, for example, is right. absolutely investment-worthy. Um, the good thing is that, you know, with the – a large company like Penfold, they've got some awesome um, distributor connections. So uh, we are able to store it either in the UK, which is one of their biggest markets, to get into the rest of the EU or in the US. So, um, oh, okay. With, 
Yeah, so we're able we're able to still get coverage there, but we don't have a dedicated facility there yet, just because it's only a couple of wineries that we would we would source from in Australia. Right. Yeah, uh, Pinfold being the one that came to my mind too when when I mentioned Australia. Uh, yeah, very good. Uh, so, um, great. If anyone out there wants to invest, again, the website is vinovest uh, com. Uh, dot co. Dot co. Okay, C O. Okay, uh, yeah, there we go. Vinovest dot co. Um, that's V I N O V E S T dot co. You can also sign up for their e letter. They have. Uh, an e-letter they send out which answers a whole bunch of questions and it has a whole bunch of information on there and all that and uh, tells you all about the company and tells you all about the stuff and the stuff that uh, Anthony and I talked about this evening, uh, it uh, goes into a lot of that stuff too. And Anthony actually gave some more detail than I found in the e-letter, so that's a good thing too. But check that out. And I've talked about wine investing off and on over the years of the program, and it's always been something, like I said at the top of the show, that it's always been something that I thought would be for the rich, for the ones who already have lots of money that they want to invest, they can invest in it, but $1,000 to get involved in it is really, really a reasonable price, so uh, that's something that uh, everyone out there should look at and consider, and if you have a little bit of disposable income that you don't want to put into the stock market, which is so volatile now, or so volatile all the time, it seems, then it seems like wine would be a much more stable investment and uh, a better return. So any uh, closing thoughts here, Anthony? Um, No, I think especially given how volatile the stock market, as you mentioned, and like you know, it's always a good time to diversify, especially if you like wine. Like, why not diversify into something that you love, something that you can learn more about, and can be something fun that you can talk about your friends with as a fun investment. And it sounds like, and your events too. I mean, this is something that was never mentioned in the emails that I got, but that's that's a, a great little plus there. As as an investor in wine, you don't see the stock exchange calling you up saying, okay, we're going to talk about stocks on this virtual program tonight. Join us. I mean, that yeah, does that, not that happen. would be fun. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. we want to make yeah. it something that's tangible and exciting for people. And given that wine's a fun thing, like, why not play it up, right? There you go. That, that's a great idea. So, uh, all right. If anybody is interested, you can get a hold of, again, Vinovest, V-I-N-O-V-E-S-T dot co, C-O, and uh, Good luck for, to everyone out there from there. Anthony, thank you for spending the time to talk with us this evening or, well, this afternoon for you here in California. But uh, thank you for taking your time to talk with us and uh, explaining to us yeah. all about VinoVest. A great program. I, I'm impressed. And uh, uh, certainly hope that people will uh, check this out and a good way to expand a portfolio and Get yourself a little bit better return on stuff. And like you just said, uh, wine's fun, so why not? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank I'm, I'm, you're <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Good thank night. You. Awesome. Take care. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye now.
Well, very good. Um, where's our audience people? Oh, there they are. There you go. Okay. I just I just <laughs> got to that page and I was looking for it and you hit it good. Um, wow, I I just you know I've you know like I just said I've talked about investments before, but I've always thought it was too much money. But that's a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, not bad yeah. at all. Um, not not really. And not the, bad and at the, all. Um, the rates, uh, the fees he took me mentioned, that's not bad either. That's, you know, you have someone working for you and, and doing this and, and then, you know, storing it for you. That's, that's a, that's a good plan. That's so a big plus. You really, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to worry, really worry about anything. Um, and insured uh, too. Man. And I, I mm-hmm. have insured my wine before in the past and, oh my gosh, I mean, it, it gets really ridiculous sometimes. And so if yeah. you, uh, start looking at the cost of insurance for wine over a period of time and stuff like that. And and you look at the fact that it's being stored and and all that, then the monthly fees is really insignificant. Um, It's, you know, a good good price there. So, all Mm -hmm. right, fantastic. So, um, we... uh, Hmm. Do I have anything else? I can, I can tell people why we missed last week. Uh, in case anyone's Whoa. interested, I I sliced my leg open. I mean, I really did. It, I got to the hospital and they yeah. called it a wound. They said that's a wound. Uh, I was playing mm-hmm. golf and I was on the eleventh tee at the golf course that I actually volunteer as a ranger. And I hit the ball, and I turned around, and I tripped over a cypress knee. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a cypress knee is, you can look it up, but these are little root-like things that go around cypress trees, and they're really not sure what they're for. They think it is so the tree can breathe, because cypress trees grow a lot in swampy or wet areas, and they think the cypress knees might be to let the uh, tree breathe so it doesn't drown. But they grow anywhere from, excuse me, anywhere from a couple of inches to, well, 12 inches or so. It depends on where you are. I tripped over one that was about three inches high, tried to catch myself with my other foot, my left foot. I hit another one. I fell forward, and my calf of my right leg Excuse me again. Uh, my right leg was laid open. I mean, literally laid open. It was uh, uh, opened up about an inch, inch and a quarter wide, and about six inches long. And oh boy, did it bleed! I destroyed my golf shoes because it bled so much. Wrapped a golf towel around it. Went to the hospital and had sixteen stitches in my calf. So that's why I missed last week. It was still. A little bit painful. I uh, couldn't sit long enough to do the program because uh, while I was sitting, do a doctor said, "Elevate, elevate your leg." I was planning on playing golf Wednesday after it happened, and, and <laughs> laying in the hospital bed at the emergency room. The doctor is going, "No, it was a, it was female." She says, "No, you're not." And I go, I feel fine. She says, yeah, you're probably in shock now. She said, elevate this and keep it elevated for the next three or four days at least. So no golf. And then I was looking at playing this week, and it was still bothering me too much. I'm getting the swelling, so I'm looking at next Wednesday to pick up my golf again. Next Thursday, 
I had the stitches out. So mm. that's why I missed last Thursday because I tripped and fell and got a wound. And that's what they said. Yeah. It's a wound. It, you know, it's a, it was a wound. So, but it, it was <laughs> yeah. pretty nasty. I think the funny thing is when you told when you said you went back into the uh, into the golf place. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. once, I forgot what you call it. And they said, "Oh, we have band aids." <laughs> yeah, yeah. The girl that works in the yeah. back right, yeah. Because I was yeah. I was ranging that night and with cars and everything, and I walked in there and I said, "I got to leave." I, and I pointed at my leg, and she goes, "Well, we got band aids." <laughs> yeah. Mm. No, I don't. I don't think yeah. that's going to work. How many band aids do you have? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like so, that scene in uh, yeah. Jaws where they said, "I think we're going to." Uh, that scene in Jaws where they say, "I think we're going to need a bigger boat." It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the bandage going to cover this? I don't think the band-aids are going to work this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh please, go but, get me one band-aid right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go get me one now. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, that'll fix but it. But it spotted well, and I didn't. You know, yeah. there'll be a scar, but you know, I. Yeah. I'll have to think of a yeah. good reason for the scar besides tripping and falling over a cypress knee. So, uh, well, you know, alligators are real popular on golf courses. You could always use there that. There you go. Uh, I can say I, I was, ate the gator. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that, that, you tried that, to. But the, the I tried to. He got me, but I thought I was going to lose a leg. I beat him off with my uh, seven iron, yep. and mm-hmm. I, I say, there you go. So that will be my story. I. I yeah. got attacked by a gator, gator on the golf course. He got me, but I had to beat him off with my seven iron, and he let go, and I got away. And it took six, sixteen stitches to close it up. So that's right. That that will be my story right. now. There you go. Yeah, but I you like should have seen what happened to the gator. Yeah, <laughs> you should have seen after beating him with that seven iron. <laughs> the, the gator was in much worse shape. <laughs> so uh, in much worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I ruined my seven oh, no. iron. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but that's cool. I got a band-aid, so that's all right. Everything was good. <laughs> yeah. Everything's okay. Yeah. Got a band-aid yeah. for Make it. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you oh, go. <laughs> yep. So Perfect. Uh, yeah. Um So that's oh, yeah. why last week was yeah. missed. But we got next week. I yeah. I don't know if we have a guest next week or not. Uh that's our our couple in France, and I'm not sure about our logistics of getting them on the show. Um, Wait, France or Italy? I thought they were in Italy. Italy, Italy. You're right, Italy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Italy. But something changed. But, wow. Yeah. Okay. No, from Italy. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'm not sure. It's, it's going to have to be some exchanges on emails between them and me and Mike and all that, and see if we can't. Yeah. You know, find the proper platform for them to come on and also Mm -hmm. to, you know, maybe record early and, you know, play it on the the time. So we will be on next week, but I'm not sure how the show, it it will be on. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if we'll have a guest or if we'll end up doing them at a later date or what's going on, but we're planning on having them next week. Then I received a couple other emails, so I'm we're looking at a couple down the line. Uh, a guy who uh, is, uh, well, I can't remember, name is uh, Joe, I believe, and he's uh, 
uh, a wine person that, uh, I don't know, I can't remember the email right now. And then I've got Terry, which is a female who is running the biggest winery in California uh, right now, the first female to run oh. a winery this large. So both of those will be on in April. I'm not sure what dates. I left it open for them to choose whatever is convenient for them. So we got a couple of those coming up in April. So so we're looking good in the right. future here. Um, so uh, that's uh, something to look for. But I'm not sure. Next week, we'll, I'll be working on that over the next few days here and seeing if I can't get a hold of them and find out what's going on and get everything taken care of there. Yeah. Well, we'll let everybody know on social media. So uh, the platform, the platforms that wrong. Well, I'm losing my voice. It's a. Uh, <laughs> there we go. It's that time of the week where I lose my voice. Um, yeah. Well, you do your regular so program, and then yeah. That's true. <laughs> uh, do we need to uh, do we need to do the uh, authors uh, filmmakers uh, deal, or what do you want to? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Save the next. Okay. Um, well, let me. I'll take a deep breath and see if I can do this all at one time, and without um, me about yeah. without losing my voice. So uh, <clears throat> um, let's yeah. see how this works. Ready, set, okay. go. Back in October, co-directors Mark Johnson and Mark Ryan, and writer Michael Karam were on the show October eighth, twenty twenty. The movie Wine and War, the untold story of wine in the Middle East, is about survival, resilience, and struggles. Wine has been in Lebanon culture for 7,000 years. They are raising money for CAPHO, a great uh, organization, and uh, you can go to wineandwar.com. Wineandwar.com. Click the Watch Now button, and that will take you to uh, where you need to go to, to watch it. On October the 15th, Jim Lochran was on the show. He's a certified wine educator and author. You can visit jimlochran.com. That's Jim, L-A-U-G-H-R-E-N.com. And uh, he has uh, two two quick books right now out uh, called The 15-Minute Guide to Red Wine, which is uh, only 28 pages uh, of good reading, and 15-Minute Guide to White Wine which is another uh, quick read and a handy reference to have as well. Check that out on uh, Amazon. On October 29th, we welcomed Joy Neighbors to our Halloween special. Uh, She is the author of the Family Tree Cemetery Field Guide, How to Find, Record, and Preserve Your Ancestors' Graves, including topics to plan your trip to the cemetery, research, make sense of your research, and digging deeper into other records or preserving uh, cemeteries. It's available at Barnes & Nobles, Amazon, and other outlets. On November 19th, we welcome Michael Brown, author of Pinot Rocks, and he's also a winemaker. The book is available on Amazon.com. Pinot Rocks is available in any format, and the audio format is great because William Shatner did the audiobook version of his book. That's right, Captain Kirk. On January 14th, we had a great conversation with Cap Kaplowitz, a podcaster and blogger of cigars, spirits, coffee, and wine. And All About Wine's own show host, Ron, is also the wine panelist on the show. For more information, visit kaplowitz.xyz. That's K-A-P-L-O-W-I-T-Z dot X-Y-Z. 
On February 11th, 2021, we had founder and producer of Beer, Wine, and Spirits, Jeff Bradford, on the show, the filmmaker dedicated to revealing the stories behind the labels of our favorite drinks. On February 25th, we welcomed Natalie McLean, podcast host of the popular Unreserved Wine Talk. She's also an author of Red, White, and Drink All Over and Unquenchable, a tipsy quest for the world's best bargain wine, plus several quick reads available on her website. She is also the wine expert on CTV's The Social, which is Canada's largest daytime television show, CTV News, and Global Television's Morning Show. You can pick up her Ultimate Food and Wine Pairing Guide for free by visiting her website at nataliemcclain.com forward slash all about wine. That's natalie m-a-c-l-e-a-n dot com forward slash all about wine. Wow. Hold on. Very good. And you didn't lose your voice. I like that. That, that You held it together the, uh, very well. have to turn the piano off and there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah to be able to, uh, to play that, uh, play the piano for you all and the bass at the same time, and uh, <laughs> do that. Yeah, that, that's in, that's in good. One, you, you, you've been practicing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like about that. Three, hour, yeah. three hours, to, three hours to do that, but uh, that's fine. And uh, it's it's a uh, red, white. <laughs> it's uh, the book is red, white, and drunk all over. I thought I said drink all over, but uh, a wine-soaked journey from grape to glass. That's by Natalie McLean, uh, which I still have. And unfortunately, I'm still on page three. Um, just, <laughs> well, that's all right. I think you I was lost on page voice, three. So you have many more reasons. Yeah. yeah, I lost my voice. I lost my voice. I couldn't read. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. read yeah. I'm, I'm anxious so. to get into it, and uh, and I know I, I need to, to just sit and read and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, it it looks like a a fun book and a and a great read for sure. So I will get to that, and uh, we'll let you know what what it is. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got books here stacked up, too, from our guests that uh, I'm working my way through, mm-hmm. and it's like I'll read one for a while and then another one, and, and it's just, you know, I, I, I'm not fast enough, just not fast enough. So. Yeah. But, yeah. well, thank you. That's all of our guests we've had and some of the stuff. Actually, we've had more guests over yeah. the years, but these ones are all recent. they got recent books out. they got recent stuff out, mm-hmm. and... Everything is still available. Get out there. It's all fun. It's all good stuff. And mm-hmm. I've read most of the stuff that they have. And they're, they're really, they're, they're some, we've got some great authors on over the past yeah. you know, three or four months. So. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. reminds me. I, I do need to, I do want to order uh, Joy Neighbors' book also. Um, that sounds yeah, like yeah. I, I want to, too. I just I haven't got it. In mm-hmm. fact, I've got it written down and everything, and I just haven't gone on Amazon yeah. done it yet. Yeah, I'll get, so, I'll get over there. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so, any other uh, updates or anything? It's 8.02 no. now. 8.02 so. p.m. Yeah. Eastern Time. Um, right. What do we got com- coming up this week here? Let's see. Today's the 18th. Saturday is the first day of spring. Mm. Yay. Mm. So, (laughs) as if we can tell the difference here in Florida. But uh, the rest of the country Mm. is probably looking forward to it. So, have a happy, uh, what is it, spring equinox? Uh, Autumnal is fall. I always like to say that, but I guess spring is just spring. Mm. I don't think there's any special word for it or anything. Yeah, I don't think there's a uh, equinox yeah. is uh, this spring. 
some kind of car or SUV mm. or something. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, know. we'll just. Uh, <laughs> so that's Saturday. So, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So yeah. Next everyone Wednesday, have a safe week, PM. and uh, yep. we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm. Turn the volume back up. Here we go. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Oh, <laughs>